Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Boxes, ATS.io's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, June 24th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Make sure you check out the daily article over at ATS.io. We do have a format change coming with that, something that maybe streamlines the process a little bit, something that may be a little bit different, a little bit inconvenient, I guess, to a degree at the start, but it is something that we've been talking about doing for a while here. As it turns out, I mean, look, it takes up a lot of my time to write that daily article every day. So we're going to take a little bit of a different approach to it. You know, look, football season's coming very quickly. Need to start managing my time a little bit more efficiently to prepare for everything that's going on. So we are going to be changing the format a little bit for the daily article beginning next Monday. Make sure in the meantime, you check out all the other content over at ATS.io. Got previews for you of both NASCAR races this weekend at Pocono. Preview of this weekend's UFC event. The golf tournament well underway here this morning with the Travelers Championship, but I cover those for you over at ATS.io as well. And I'm not the only one. We got people over there writing WNBA, NBA, NHL, all kinds of good stuff, covering the industry from all sorts of different angles, looking at some of the special sportsbook promotions that are out there. Tons of content for you to check out over at ATS.io. Or you can see it in the ATS app, which you can download from the Google Play Store or from the Apple Store. It's a bet tracker, an odd screen, a stats database, full article integration from the website over there. You can track my picks under my name, Skating Tripods, from the daily article. So you can get that in the Google Play Store or in the Apple Store. A lot of stuff going on in that ATS app, and I highly encourage you to check that out. All right, so the format for today's show, traditional format today, we'll go beyond the box score, talk about some line moves from this week in the Down the Line segment. Give you a couple picks for tonight's action and then a preview of the weekend ahead. So let's go ahead and get going here with the Beyond the Box Score segment. Although I guess before I do that, I'll remind you, email me, skatingtripods at gmail.com if you want to get on the list for the Better's Box show notes. Again, that's skatingtripods at gmail.com. Talk about a lot of stuff, a lot of numbers, a lot of information here on the podcast. So Getting the notes, whether you're following along or you're just kind of reviewing after the show, something like that. Getting the notes for the betters box, probably a very good idea for you to have everything in front of you, keep everything straight. And of course, as I said, I talk about some advanced concepts, a lot of stats and numbers and all of that. So it can be really beneficial to have that as a complimentary piece to look at either as you listen to the show or to reinforce the things that I talk about here on the betters box. But One of the things I really wanted to talk about here on today's show, the offensive numbers in June. We all know that offense is up. That's pretty clear. That's very obvious. But to what degree is offense up? Well, that's the question. So as we look at the June offensive numbers since the first memo was sent out on June 3rd, Major League Baseball with their first shot across the bow saying, look, we're going to enforce this. We're going to pay attention to this. It's not even just going to be the umpires checking on it. We're going to be looking at spin rate data and all the other stuff that's out there that we can see at BaseballSavant.com. So since that first memo on June 3rd, batting average 245 on base 317, slugging 414, a 318 WOBA weighted on base average, 23.4% K percentage, 8.6% walk rate, a 293 BABIP. And the big one to me here, the home run to fly ball percentage. So this is home runs per fly ball, 14.5% on that home run to fly ball percentage 
The hard hit percentage, 39.1%. Average exit velocity, 89.1 miles per hour. Keep that in mind. Now, the second memo came out on June 15th, where Major League Baseball said, look, now we're going to enforce this. Umpires are going to be checking. We're going to start suspending people, all of that. So since the second memo on June 15th, 243 average, 316 on base, 413 slugging. So nothing has really changed compared to if we go all the way back to June 3rd. Not much has really changed in that regard. K percentage about the same, walk rate about the same, batting average on balls in play a couple points lower, but the home run to fly ball percentage up at 14.7%. So a 0.2% increase since June 15th compared to looking all the way back to June 3rd. Hard hit rate, 38.6%, actually down a little bit. Average exit velocity, 89 miles per hour. So when we look at the numbers from April 1st to June 2nd, 236 average, 312 on base, 395 slugging. So as I said, since the first memo, 245 average, 317 on base, 414 slugging. So batting average up, slugging percentage up. Slinging percentage up almost 20 points. Now, the K percentage from April 1st to June 2nd, 24.2%. Since and including June 3rd, 23.4%. So we have more balls in play, and we have more home runs. Now, what I think is really interesting here is that the hard hit percentage from April 1st to June 2nd was 39.2%. That's percentage of batted balls hit at least 95 miles per hour. So that has virtually not changed since this crackdown on substances and since we saw spin rates kind of decrease. The hard hit percentage is virtually the same. The average exit velocity is up a little bit, 0.2 miles per hour. But here's the thing. Contact quality, we really haven't seen a big increase in it. But what we have seen is an increase in home runs and an increase in balls in play. So therefore... Even though the contact quality remains about the same, we're just getting more balls in play. We're seeing more power as a result. Keep in mind that slugging percentage is not just home runs. It's total bases divided by at-bats. So more balls in play means more chances it hits, doubles, triples, home runs, et cetera. And the weather factors, a big deal here as well. It's been very warm in June in a lot of places around the league. Also, one thing that I have noticed, and I've talked about this before, is that Spin rates seem to be down for visiting pitchers when they go to these retractable roof stadiums with humidors. So essentially some of the pitchers parks around major league baseball are actually playing a little bit more neutral here over the last three weeks or so. So that has driven up offense a little bit as well. But again, the primary takeaways here, more balls in play. So fewer strikeouts and more home runs. So if you've got a pitcher that you know kind of lives on the strikeout, something like that, or if you sit there and consider pitchers that give up a lot of home runs, guys that have bad command profiles, well, maybe those are guys that you want to look to fade here as we're seeing this pretty big uptick in power production. Over the last 14 days here, over the last two weeks, 17 teams have a WRC plus of at least 100. Now, keep in mind 100 is league average, But what this basically shows us is the improving baseline for offense around the league that so many teams over the last two weeks are average or better relative to the full season numbers 
that our league and park adjusted. So that's another indication of the fact that offense is up across the board. There are certain teams, of course, that are lagging behind, but offense is very much up. The the decreased spin rates have had an impact, to say the least. Had a big impact in terms of lower strikeout percentages and more power. So those are the two things I think you really want to look at here as we go forward. And the fact of the matter is that I don't think this will change over the summer months either. I mean, the warmer weather has definitely helped. And so, you know, teams are really taking advantage of this offensively to the degree that they can. Strikeouts are still pretty high, but not as high as they previously were. So guys that give up a lot of home runs will probably continue to give up a lot of home runs. Guys that kind of live, you know, with a low margin for error because they don't strike a lot of guys out more balls in play will be more detrimental for them. So those are things I think you want to take a look at here as we go forward. And here's something else too. You know, right now, the game is more tailored to offense than it was earlier on in the season. So with that in mind, I thought it would be a good time to take a look at some positive regression candidates on the offensive side on a team level. So looking at teams that I expect to get better offensively here for a myriad of different reasons. And there will be a couple of teams in here that I do think will be in line for some negative regression when I talk about performance with runners in the scoring position. But here we're looking exclusively at positive regression candidates on the offensive side. One of them being the San Diego Padres. I've talked about them a lot this season because they make a lot of quality contact. They're third in hard hit percentage at 42%. And again, that's percentage of batted balls hit at least 95 miles per hour. And in a given season, it's a little bit lower this year, but in a given season, the batting average on a batted ball of 95 plus miles per hour is around 500. It's about 485 or so for this year. But the overall thought here is that the more hard contact you make, the more hits you should have. And that just makes a lot of sense. I'm just trying to quantify it, telling you something you already know, but kind of quantify it and add some value to it. Well, for the Padres here, third in hard hit percentage, but 25th in batting average on balls in play at 278. Now, one of the things that has hurt them a little bit is that they have the third highest pop-up rate, infield fly ball percentage. So percentage of fly balls that are pop-ups. They have the third highest in that department. So that has hurt them in terms of BABIP, but this is also a team that has been at or near the bottom of the league in batting average on batted balls of 95 plus and 100 plus miles per hour throughout the course of the season. Now, over an infinite period of time, they would get better. And so I expect them to get better here at some point this season, but we don't exactly know when. And that's the problem with kind of using this regression analysis style of handicapping that I have is that we don't know when the tide will turn. It should, and it probably will, but we just don't know when that will happen. So for the Padres here, I think that's why they've kind of stood pat. They haven't really panicked a whole lot. When you look at the advanced metrics for them, they should be a better offensive team than they are based on their contact quality. And I do think that that will happen. I'm not sure when it will happen. And maybe it will take a trade or something like that to kind of be the catalyst for it. But this is a team that has a much better offensive profile than what their traditional numbers would show. The New York Yankees, again, I've talked about them a lot. I've just been waiting for this offense to kind of find its way here. 
but the Yankees are first in hard hit percentage at 42.6%. They are 22nd in BABIP at 282. And the thing about it for the Yankees is that, look, home runs don't count towards BABIP because they're not balls in play, but the Yankees aren't hitting for a whole lot of power either. I don't know what the deal is with this offense. They do have one of the highest ground ball percentages in baseball at 45.3%. So they've kind of hurt themselves in that way. But unlike the Padres, who have squandered some of their hard contact by hitting pop-ups, the Yankees are 17th in infield fly ball percentage. So I don't know why this offense isn't performing at a higher level. I guess because of the ground balls, you you know, you hit, you hit a ground ball hard, that's one thing. If you hit a fly ball or a line drive hard, that's a completely different thing. So the Yankees really aren't hitting enough line drives, really aren't hitting enough fly balls, but they're also not getting rewarded very much for their hard hit contact. And we will come back to the Yankees here again in a minute. How about the Atlanta Braves? They are seventh in hard hit percentage at 41.4%. They have the second highest barrel percentage in baseball. Barreled balls are balls that have an expected batting average of 500 and expected slugging of 1.500. So we're talking about doubles and home runs and things like that. Now they have a 282 Babbitt. And it is important to note that, as I just mentioned, home runs don't count towards Babbitt. So the Braves have done some damage with the long ball, but this offense should still be better based on the contact quality that they have. So that's an offense that I'm still looking for a breakout from. Part of the problem for them is that they'll score 12 runs in a game and then score 12 runs over their next four games. They are very inconsistent for whatever reason. But the overall theme here is that the Braves make a lot of hard contact, have been rewarded to a degree with home runs, but they've also hit a lot of solo home runs, and those don't really add up all that quickly. The Chicago Cubs, they're 11th in hard hit percentage at 40.5%. That's a respectable number, certainly in the top half of the league, but their 226 batting average ranks among the lowest in baseball. This is another team that's hit a lot of home runs, but a lot of solo home runs. And you know that just doesn't really get it done. You know, I mean, you hit solo home runs, it's great to have a run on the board, but you know, you need those multi-run homers. Those are things that really change the game in a hurry. The Cubs just you know, they're they're not doing enough with their quality contact here. They are hitting a lot of home runs, but they are hitting a lot of solo home runs, and they haven't had a whole lot of luck in the BABIP department or in the batting average department as a whole. And this is not a team that strikes out a ton either. You know, if you strike out a lot, that's going to lower your batting average as a team. But the Cubs, they're not getting rewarded for a lot of their hard contact either. We'll see if that kind of changes here as we go forward. But they got off to a very good offensive start, and now they've been very bad for a long period of time. So we'll see if they kind of level off here a little bit as the summer keeps pushing forward. And, of course, the Indians here. Look, I watch the Indians a lot. They are a remarkably frustrating team to watch. They are overachieving to a very high degree right now, as all of the alternate standings metrics show. But they're 12th in hard hit percentage at 40%. So 40% of their batted balls have been hit at least 95 miles per hour. But they are 28th in batting average on balls in play. Now, they do have the second highest infield fly ball percentage, so that's part of it. But the Indians are not getting rewarded for their hard contact at all whatsoever either. So maybe they get better here as the summer goes along. Maybe they kind of bolster the offense. 
I think Nolan Jones will be up here fairly soon. So that could be a piece that winds up helping them. Uh, Franmil Reyes is on a rehab assignment. He'll be coming back soon. So maybe the Indians offense has some positives, is looking up a little bit. But, you know, they've made a decent amount of hard contact this year. But like the Padres have been at or near the bottom of the league in batting average on that hard contact. So hopefully things get better for them. I don't know if it will happen, but you know they are in the upper half of the league in hard hit percentage, but yet right in the bottom five in a lot of offensive categories here. So offensive positive regression candidates really basing this on contact quality and hard hit percentage. The Padres, Yankees, Braves, Cubs, and Indians. Now, something else I think is really important to look at at this point in time, because we're getting more balls in play, right? You know, we have fewer strikeouts now, so we're getting more hits. We're getting more base runners. The hit-by-pitch rate has gone up as well with guys not being able to control the baseball as well. So I want to take a look at some outliers in terms of runners in scoring position performance. So we'll start with a couple of negative outliers here, then take a look at some positive ones. A couple of the negative outliers here, negative regression candidates, The Angels are first in baseball in weighted on base average at 356. They have a 324 batting average on balls in play in that split, but they only rank 16th in number of plate appearances with a runner in scoring position. So they're not exactly generating a whole lot of these opportunities, but they are cashing in at a very high rate on them. I don't know how long that will continue. It's certainly possible that when Mike Trout gets back, they'll be able to kind of keep up this pace, and if Anthony Rendon ever starts hitting. But the Angels are a pretty big overachiever right now with men in scoring position, and I do expect that to regress towards the mean as we go forward here. And a massive regression candidate in general, just overall, is the Seattle Mariners. They are fourth in weighted on base average at 342 with men in scoring position, and they are running a 346 batting average on balls in play in that split. They're 24th in number of plate appearances with men in scoring position, but they've really capitalized on a lot of those opportunities due to that high BABIP. And I don't think that that's something that will continue at all. You know, if if you're not a good offense in terms of setting up opportunities with men in scoring position, you're probably not going to be a very good offense in terms of cashing in on those chances. So the Mariners are a massive regression candidate really in multiple ways for me but especially here with men in scoring position. It's a big reason why their base runs record is so much lower than their actual record because base runs removes the context from the equation. So base runs doesn't know that they're capitalizing on such an unsustainable rate of their plate appearances with men in scoring position. A 346 batting average on balls in play will not continue. I I promise you that. So Seattle will get worse with men in scoring position. And when that happens... I expect the tailspin. I'm talking losing 10 out of 12, you know, 13 out of 15, something like that. It should happen here. I think it will happen. And I've tried to capitalize on it at various points throughout the season. But as I really take a look at it here today, they are getting very, very fortunate in this split with men in scoring position. Now, how about some positive outliers here? How about the Yankees? Again, we'll talk about the Yankees. They have that very high hard hit rate, right? that should translate into offense. Well, how about this one? The New York Yankees are 29th in weighted on base average with men in scoring position. They are bottom five in batting average on balls in play. 
And the crazy thing is they have a 13.4% walk rate with men in scoring position. They have a higher on base percentage with risk than they have slugging percentage. Their slugging percentage with risk is 302. It's the worst in baseball. So I don't know what's happening here. I don't know exactly what the issue is, but this Yankees offense is way too good and they're making way too much quality contact to continue to be this bad, especially in this split with men in scoring position. So the Yankees are, for all intents and purposes to me, a play on team here, at least offensively. So again, the problem with this regression analysis handicapping is we don't know when it's going to happen, but we have a really good idea that it will, or at least that it should. So for the Yankees here, being 29th in weighted on base average with runners in scoring position, while having one of the highest, if not the highest walk rates in that split is astonishing to me. It speaks to how unlucky they've gotten with their contact quality and also how little power production they're generating with men in scoring position. So this should change. I don't know when, but it should change. So the Yankees are definitely a team on my radar here as we go forward. The St. Louis Cardinals. Now, their offense isn't very good in a lot of ways, and, and we know that, but they have a 256 batting average on balls in play with runners in scoring position. They're a bad offense, but I don't think that they're this bad. And also some very unfortunate sequencing for them in those high leverage plate appearances. And as offense increases around the league, these are the opportunities that you need to cash in on because you need to be able to score those runs when you get those chances because the offensive environment has gone up around the league. So the Cardinals should get better in this department. They don't make a ton of quality contact, but they should still be better than a 256 batting average on balls in play with men in scoring position. On the other hand, the Padres absolutely should get better. They have a 256 batting average on balls in play with men in scoring position as well. And they're actually third in plate appearances with a runner in scoring position. They have the second lowest strikeout rate in this split. Every indicator that I look at here with the Padres is pointing towards an offensive explosion. And I'm I'm not entirely sure why the offense has underperformed to the degree that it has. I, I really can't answer that. But when I look at all of the metrics and all the indicators that are out there, this is a team that should take off offensively in the near term, I would say. Now, of course, the caveat to that is, look, they've had a lot of these indicators most of the season and still haven't really taken off. But look, if you're putting a ton of balls in play with men in scoring position, eventually you're going to get rewarded for that. And having the second lowest strikeout percentage with with men in scoring position and a very low BABIP of 256 doesn't seem sustainable to me. And with how many chances they're getting being third and plate appearances in that split, they will start capitalizing on those chances. So I don't know if maybe this series against the Dodgers is kind of a springboard or something like that, but the Padres very much look like a team that we want to back more than we fade here over the next little while. Lastly, the poor Arizona Diamondbacks. They're sixth in plate appearances with a runner in scoring position, but they're 27th in Woba. So, you know, obviously you've got a perfect storm of a lot of things going wrong here. Everybody's seen the clip of Dan Vogelbach basically limping his way to home plate. They don't get the relay throw in to get him out. 
I don't know if it's a focus issue. I don't know if they need a change in the dugout. I don't know. I know the injuries played a really significant role for a long period of time. They're getting chances. They're just not doing anything with them. So maybe the Diamondbacks going forward are something of a play on team. Uh, Missing Carson Kelly really does hurt. They do hit lefties well. So maybe you kind of look to make spot plays on them against Southpaws. But again, as I mentioned, sixth in plate appearances, number of plate appearances with a runner in scoring position, but 27th in Woba. And so that's another one of the many reasons why the Diamondbacks are having such a bad year. So again, Looking at performance with runners in scoring position is very important. It's that cluster luck concept that I've talked about a lot on an individual level and also on a team level. But the negative regression candidates with men in scoring position to me are the Angels and the Mariners. The positive regression candidates, Yankees, Cardinals, Padres, and to a lesser degree, the Diamondbacks. So we hear the Yankees come up twice as a positive regression candidate offensively. A lot of quality contact with nothing to show for it. And then chances with men in scoring position with nothing to show for it. So the Padres and the Yankees, two teams that at some point here, and I think it should be sometime soon, will get better offensively. We'll take that leap and two pretty good pitching staffs and two good bullpens as well. So if that happens offensively, those are teams that should rattle off a lot of wins in a short period of time. Lastly, something I wanted to mention here beyond the box score is the pitchers that throw a lot of fastballs. And and I'm not saying that all of these guys will experience spin rate drops or already have, but a lot of the focus here in terms of spin rate decreases has been on fastballs because other pitches have always been hard to hit. It's offensive performance on fastballs that has decreased so rapidly that the league has kind of become the dead ball era to a degree. So fastball spin rate has been a really important weapon for a lot of pitchers out there because they're getting more movement on fastballs. Fastballs are giving the illusion of rising, which is something that really doesn't happen because of gravity, but it gives the illusion that these fastballs are rising. Hitters have gotten under them. They've hit on top of them, all of that. So performance on fastballs is really the thing that's been under the microscope here for a lot of hitters. So with decreases in spin rate, primarily on fastballs, I wanted to run down a list here of the top 20 guys in fastball percentage with at least 50 innings pitched this season over at Fangraphs and just kind of plant the seeds in your mind to take a closer look at some of these guys here, kind of look and see if you can fade them, look for opportunities to go against them. Uh, maybe certain spot plays and certain matchups, all of that. But again, the the decrease in spin rate, we're primarily seeing it on fastballs. So I want to talk about guys that throw their fastballs a lot because they're either going to have to deal with a spin rate decrease or change up their arsenals and try and go to a third pitch. And usually if you throw a high percentage of fastballs, you don't really have a third pitch that you like. So the top guys here, and all of these guys are north of 60%, so at least 60% fastball usage, whether that's four-seam, two-seam, sinker, whatever the case may be, this is just all grouped together in terms of fastball percentage at Fangraphs. Jay Happ, Adrian Hauser, Frankie Montas, Brad Keller, Lance Lynn, Jose Urania, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler, Brady Singer, Jacob DeGrom, Cole Irvin, Chris Paddock, 
and Spencer Turnbull. Now, Turnbull is hurt right now, so wasn't sure if I wanted to include him or not, but if he comes back, something for you to keep in mind. Guys like Hap have been hit around a lot. Guys like Keller and Urania have been hit around a lot. These are guys with really limited arsenals. And so those are guys that maybe you want to take a closer look at here, especially if they experience any sort of fastball spin rate decrease. Hauser, extreme ground ball guy. Woodruff, extreme ground ball guy, premium velocity. Wheeler, premium velo. DeGrom, premium velo. Those guys are probably going to be fine. But some of the other guys, like a Frankie Montas, like a Cole Irvin, like a Chris Paddock, you may want to take a little bit of a closer look at here as we go forward. If they have some spin rate decreases on the fastball, those are guys that don't really have super deep arsenals. So those are guys that could be really negatively impacted uh, you know, as this spin rate crackdown keeps going. To round out the top 20 here, Matt Harvey, Sean Manaya, Christian Javier, Kyle Hendricks, Andrew Heaney, and Garrett Richards. And of course, we saw Garrett Richards get blown up again yesterday as he, you know, had, he's a two-pitch pitcher, you know, and, and if one of those two pitchers pitches isn't working, that's a problem. If both aren't working, that's a real big problem. So guys that have limited arsenals, like a Richards, like a Paddock, some of those guys that throw a lot of fastballs because they don't really have much else, Those are guys that as the spin rate decrease really takes hold, as we see offense improve around the league, those are guys that could be kind of up against it a little bit. And again, this is one of those spots where I encourage you to get on the list for the betters box show notes, skatingtripods at gmail.com to have that list of pitchers in front of you. But I'll run through it real quickly again. Hap, Hauser, Montas, Keller, Lynn, Urania, Woodruff, Wheeler, Singer. DeGrom, Irvin, Paddock, and Turnbull, all north of 60% with the fastball. And the other guys that round out the top 20, Harvey, Manaya, Javier, Hendricks, Heaney, and Richards. So we take a look down the lines here, talking about some line moves that we've seen dating back to the last show on Monday. And on Monday, Darvish and the uh, Padres took some late money there against the Dodgers and Julio Urias. There was some money that came in right before first pitch there, Padres, of course, swept that series. Dodgers were a dog for the first time in 150 games on Monday. They lose that one. They lose with Kershaw taking money on Tuesday, and then they lose on Wednesday as well as the Padres completed the sweep. Also on Monday, we saw Jake Odorizzi money for the Astros against Keegan Aiken and the Orioles. The Astros offense is just on another planet right now. I think I saw that their WRC plus over the last two weeks is like 190 or something like that. So they've been 90% better than league average over the last two weeks, which is simply astonishing. Uh, they got a lefty in that one in Keegan Aiken. I am on the Astros run line tonight for what it's worth against the Tigers. Uh, again, until somebody slows that offense down, you know, they're, they're kind of printing money right now, having won 10 in a row. Seeing a lot of totals movement again this week in the marketplace. Did see a move down from eight and a half to eight. That was Frankie Montas and Kyle Gibson in the game between the Rangers and the Athletics. Uh, The Rangers hit in that game. The A's did not. That was an 8-3 win for Texas. That was one of the rare times where totals money uh, has been wrong here throughout this season. Uh, We saw the slight Reds road fade. That was Tyler Mayo and Jay Happ on Monday. And look, that's an indicator of just how strong the market is fading the Reds on the road when they're willing to back Jay Happ uh, and the Minnesota Twins. Happ was a winner in that one. I had the over in that game, did come through for us, but uh, 
Interesting to see money come in on Jay Happ uh, in, in really any context. On Tuesday, we saw some Max Scherzer money hit the board. That was in the Nationals and Phillies game. That was going up against Zach Wheeler. Uh, the Scherzer money was the right side. And actually, the Nationals playing very well right now. Uh, they're getting a lot of contributions from Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell. The offense has gotten better. Still don't like the bullpen. Don't really like the starting rotation much beyond Scherzer. Uh, but you know they're playing well right now and have racked up some wins of late. As I mentioned, we did get Kershaw money on Tuesday. That was more of a fade of Blake Snell than anything else. Blake Snell not pitching well here of late. Pitched pretty well in that game against the Dodgers, who don't hit left-handed pitchers all that well. And the Dodgers uh, did get swept in that series, as I mentioned already. We didn't see a big line move with Garrett Cole against Brady Singer and the Royals. And again, sometimes it's the line move that doesn't happen that really says the most. When you don't see money on Garrett Cole, it means that line is either priced accurately or it's not, and people just don't want to go against Garrett Cole. Cole pitched well in that game. The Yankees' bullpen wound up blowing it, though, as the Royals cashed a big underdog ticket. Another totals move that was dead wrong on Tuesday, the Red Sox and the Rays. That was Eduardo Rodriguez and then the opener of Andrew Kittredge and then Ryan Yarbrough as the bulk guy. That total actually came down from eight and a half to seven and a half. And the game absolutely flew over the total. I don't know, six, five or something like that. But uh, that was a totals move that was wrong. And maybe the modeling crowd, and this will be something worth watching here. Maybe the modeling crowd with regards to totals has not completely compensated yet for the decrease in spin rate, the increase in offense and all of that. So maybe some of these totals moves to the under uh, may be a little bit ill-advised here. We'll have to keep an eye on that in the betting markets based on the line movement that we see. Uh, But a couple of unders not getting there early in the week here. And like I said, those totals moves have generally been very sharp in nature. A fate of Cole Irvin on Tuesday. That was with the A's and Rangers. We saw some Texas money actually in all three games of that series. Interestingly enough, that was a Taylor Hearn start and then a bullpen game for the Rangers. The A's hung 13 runs in that one. So the money was wrong to go against Cole Irvin. Uh, But interesting to see the Rangers taking money in all three games in that series. We saw some Bailey Ober money for Minnesota against the Reds and Wade Miley. Uh, Again, that Reds road fade very much in play once again. Wednesday, we saw heavy money on Brandon Woodruff. That was against Caleb Smith and the Diamondbacks. Arizona's okay against lefties. We saw a little bit of interest in them with Brett Anderson earlier in the week, but no interest whatsoever to fade Brandon Woodruff and take the Diamondbacks. Uh, not really a big surprise there in the in the Brewers with an easy win in that one. So a totals move between Joe uh, Musgrove and Trevor Bauer last night, up from seven to seven and a half. That one got there in the 5-3 final. Uh, like I said, a lot of those totals moves have been pretty sharp overall for this season, uh, but I would definitely look very closely at the totals moves that we see over money on here in this new Major League Baseball environment. The Yankees took money on Wednesday. It was against Danny Duffy with Michael King on the mound. Uh, The Yankees did win that one, back and forth kind of game there. Uh, But Danny Duffy only threw two innings, wound up being a bullpen game for the Royals there in that one. The Red Sox and Rays total yesterday, which we were on the over for that one if you read the article, that one went up from eight and a half to nine. Uh, Wasn't sure I still loved it at nine, wound up taking it. It did come through but it got very dicey. That game had six runs in the first two innings. And then we had to get some late runs from the Rays offense to push that one over the total. But uh, an interesting move there up from eight and a half to nine, because 
you know, scoring at Tropicana Field is pretty tough. You don't see a lot of high total games there, uh, but that one did come through for us. As I mentioned, Rangers money on Wednesday as well. Uh, that was, you know, look, I, I've been very surprised to see a lot of this Rangers money here this week against Oakland. Oakland getting faded a little bit. I don't really have anything against Oakland, but, you know, I certainly wouldn't want to back the Rangers. I think that's kind of a, an interesting position to take right now because the Rangers have just not played well for a very long period of time. Again, sometimes it's the line moves you don't see that are most interesting. And we didn't see a fade of John Gant on Wednesday. That was the Cardinals and the Tigers. Tigers with Matt Manning, probably some uncertainty about Matt Manning. We were on the Tigers. If you read the article, the Tigers did win. Surprised not to see the Gant fade there in that one, but you know, Gant didn't pitch great in that game once again. His next start will be at Bush Stadium, so we'll see if the market fades him there. But again, still a lot of regression indicators for John Gant. Lastly, for Wednesday, Kevin Gaussman took money for the Giants. That was against Shohei Otani. We had the first five under in that one. That one also came through for us. But it was interesting to feel like the Giants were kind of disrespected earlier in the week. And then Gaussman takes money against Otani there on Wednesday. And that money winds up being uh, the right side. That was a marathon extra inning game and a brutal beat for full game under betters. But, uh, you know, Gaussman taking money there, not really that big of a surprise, especially because we've seen the market kind of fade some high walk rate guys. And I talked about this in yesterday's article that, you know, Shohei Otani has a high walk rate for the season, but it hasn't been that bad here of late. So something you want to keep in mind there. Thursday, line moves for today so far. The Cardinals and Carlos Martinez taking some money against Chad Cool and the Pirates. Uh, no chance in hell I could play the Cardinals in that one, but the market does like the Redbirds a little bit. Jamison Tyon and the Yankees taking some money early on against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, no interest in that game for me either, but a fate of Brad Keller makes some sense. And also, as I talked about for a while, just a few minutes ago, the Yankees have all kinds of positive regression signs on the offensive side at some point those need to come to fruition i'm very shocked to see the market backing colby allard against chris bassett in that a's and rangers series uh look i mean you know chris bassett's a guy who's taken money a lot in the marketplace so far this season today he's getting bet against and that's a line move that really stands out to me if it's a guy that's been taking a lot of money in the marketplace and now they're on the other side of him that is one that you absolutely want to pay attention to. So even though the price is a little bit depressed now, I don't think I would take Oakland in this spot tonight uh, because that's some very influ- influential money, excuse me, coming in against Chris Bassett. Heavy Astros money against the Tigers. That's Luis Garcia and Jose Urania. I agree with the fate of Urania. I'm on the run line there. I typically don't like laying run lines with minus 140 juice, but, you know, uh, I don't know who's stopping the Astros right now, and it won't be Jose Urania, I don't think. The Twins taking money tonight. That's J.C. Mejia, Carlos Mejia for the Indians against Jose Barrios. I think the Indians have a chance tonight. I took a piece of the Indians for this game in the plus 150 range. I understand the line move. I understand wanting to fade the Indians, who are a massive overachiever, but the Indians have a significant bullpen advantage in this series and in this game tonight. So as long as Mejia can kind of keep pace with Barrios, the Indians should be live late in this game. So I went ahead and took the Tribe tonight in that plus 150 range. All right, let's talk about five series for the weekend here as we preview what could transpire on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
the Phillies and the Mets. We get Aaron Nola and Taiwan Walker in game one on Friday. Spencer Howard and David Peterson in game two. Zach Eflin, Jacob deGrom on Saturday. And then Zach Wheeler and Gerard Eikhoff on Sunday. Another doubleheader for the Mets here. These are two pitching staffs that are kind of up against it. Neither bullpen uh, all that great here recently, although the Mets do have a bullpen advantage, but the Mets also have a lot of injury concerns, both on the offensive side as well as the pitching side. Doubleheader is not particularly great for them. But what I can tell you is look for Aaron Nola money in game one tomorrow. The market has faded Taiwan Walker a lot. He's got a big Woba versus ex-Woba discrepancy on the negative regression side. He's been able to overperform relative to that and pitch very well. But I think the market will fade him here in game one. So I would look for some NOLA money uh, in game one on Friday. Uh, Other than that, I mean, look, you know, the Mets have not been great offensively over the last little while with all those injuries. Francisco Lindor has been very good. But other than that, a lot of guys not really performing super well. We'll see if the Phillies can take advantage of it. The Yankees and the Red Sox. Interestingly enough, this is not a Sunday night baseball game, which is shocking to me. Domingo Herman, Martin Perez on Friday, Jordan Montgomery, Nate Yavaldi Saturday, Garrett Cole, Eduardo Rodriguez on Sunday. The Boston offense was really good for a very long period of time this season, but as they've stepped up in class, they've kind of struggled a little bit here. And of course, the New York offense, they just can't get it going for whatever reason. But when you look at this series, the Red Sox rotation has been very bad of late. The bullpen's dealing with some spin rate decreases. There is a humidor at Fenway Park. They're trying to level off offense a little bit in that ballpark. So I kind of wonder if grip is a bit of an issue for some of the Red Sox pitchers here and if that winds up becoming an issue for the Yankees. And in particular, Garrett Cole on Sunday. We've already seen the spin rate decrease for Cole. I'm looking at Sunday as an over game with Cole and Eduardo Rodriguez. Rodriguez showing no command whatsoever. Maybe Garrett Cole pitches well. He's pitched okay in light of the decreased spin rates. But if we also add in the humidor, and he's a guy who's kind of been pouting about this whole thing, I kind of like the over on Sunday with Garrett Cole and Eduardo Rodriguez. But we'll see what that total ends up looking like. Astros and the Tigers here. Luis Garcia, Jose Urania tonight. Framber Valdez, Willie Peralta tomorrow. Lance McCullers, Casey Mize on Saturday. Jake Odorizzi and Tarek Skubal coming up on Sunday. We've already seen an Astros line move tonight. We will definitely see one tomorrow because the market has backed Framber Valdez in basically every start he's made. And Willie Peralta probably has no shot against this Astros offense. I wouldn't be stunned if we see that line get close to minus 300 on the road for the Astros tomorrow. Uh, I'll just go ahead and say that. McCullers and Mize, a really interesting game. I'm following Casey Mize very closely because Casey Mize has had a velocity and a spin rate decrease here of late. So keeping a close eye on that, I hope the kid's okay. Um, You know, his results have been fine, but I'm watching that one very closely. And then the Astros get a lefty in Scooble on Sunday. So we'll see if money comes in on them in that game as well. But, you know, look, as I mentioned earlier, the Tigers swept the Astros in April. The Astros are keeping receipts. They're on a 10-game winning streak. They seem to have stopped dicking around now, especially against inferior teams. This could be an ugly series for the Tigers. Uh, you know, former former Astros manager A.J. Hinch does know the Astros well, and the Tigers did win that series 20-8 to in that sweep earlier on in the year. Uh, but the Astros are still get a completely different team right now. 
the A's and the Giants, the Bay Area Interleague Series. Sean Manaya, Johnny Cueto Friday, Frankie Montas, Alex Wood Saturday, Cole Irvin, and then Sammy Long listed as the starter for Sunday. We'll see if the Giants use another opener or if they just let Long go ahead and start the game there. I do think we get A's money on Friday. I, I think the market is not too keen on Johnny Cueto. I think the market does like Sean Manaya. So I think we see some A's money on Friday. As far as the rest of the series, I'm not entirely sure. I think we could see some Giants money on Saturday, maybe a fade of Montas. Montas, a high fastball percentage guy. The Giants make a ton of really quality contact. They've been a great offense for a while now. Kind of like the Giants on Saturday, price dependent. And then Sunday, you know, I've been looking to find reasons to fade Cole Irvin. Sammy Long, a lot of strikeouts, kind of an interesting guy. Uh, we'll see what happens in this series. But I think we see A's money Friday, maybe Giants money in the other two games. Lastly, here to finish out the show, the Cubs and the Dodgers. Zach Davies, Walker Bueller tonight. Jake Arietta, Tony Gonsolin tomorrow. Alec Mills, Julio Urias on Saturday. And then Adbert Alzale and uh, Clayton Kershaw on Sunday. That is Sunday Night Baseball. The Dodgers host the Giants on Monday. And the Cubs, they go all the way back to Milwaukee. And they take on the Brewers with first place on the line. So I think we've got fade spots of both of these teams coming up here on Monday where the Dodgers go and take on the Giants and the Cubs go and take on the Brewers. I especially like the fade of the Cubs and it's difficult to like Milwaukee and to like Milwaukee at home. I think it's Kyle Hendricks in that start on Monday for the Cubs, but that's a really bad spot for them. Traveling all the way back to Milwaukee, playing a really important division game bad spot for Chicago. I think I'll be on Milwaukee on Monday. Uh, That'll be one I write about over at ATS.io for you. But, you know, an interesting series here with the Cubs and the Dodgers because the Cubs offense has really not been hitting for a while. And the Dodgers offense, they're not hitting for a lot of power. Uh, We'll see how strong the fate is of Arietta on Friday. I will probably look to go against him. Spin rates are down. Stuff quality is down. Just not a very good pitcher. Other than that, in this series, I mean, Bueller's a big favorite tonight. Urias will be a very big favorite on Saturday. Kershaw will be a probably sizable favorite, 175, 180 range on Sunday, I would think. So curious to see how this series is bet. Curious to see how the Cubs stack up here. Uh, so, you know, interesting series, but I'm really looking at this series for Monday's games, where I think we could probably fade both the Cubs and the Dodgers uh, and do pretty well with that. A lot of stuff on today's show, as always, skatingtripods at gmail.com for the show notes. I know this one ran a little bit long as well. I talked about a lot of things, so I think it's in your best interest to get on the list for the show notes, skatingtripods at gmail.com. I'll do it for me. Make sure you check out the content all weekend long over at ATS.io. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.